0: Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000.
1: I'm Mark Zander. Here's Brian Hanley. And we're taking your phone calls here on ESPN 1000 312-332-3776. All right, Brian, starting lineup for your Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson, it's short. When's the hearing, by the way? Do we know? Did um, they say when the hearing is? No. Probably no. not. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday, maybe. But he's playing until he, uh, he's appealing his three-game suspension. Is there a solid chance that it will get knocked down to maybe one or two? I would say. Doesn't that usually probably, happen? I would say probably knock the game off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tim Anderson at short, batting first. Andrew Vaughn, first base, batting second. A.J. Pollock in center field. A lot of people seem to be freaked out about him playing the field. He's a golden, He's a gold glove winner. Golden Gloves, it's more like boxing. But, you yeah, <laughs> know, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So he's in center field, and uh, Jose Abreu's batting cleanup, DH. Gavin Sheets, right field, hero of yesterday's game, batting six. Eloy Menez in left field, batting seventh. Or, no, I'm losing track here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, uh, batting six. Josh Harrison, second base, seventh. Larry Garcia, third base, batting eighth. I guess uh, Yuan needs a day off then. And really? uh, Sebi Savala, I say no, I say no. Okay. Yeah. Sebi Savala catching and Dylan Cease is your starting pitcher. That's good. Um, they work yeah, well yeah, together, those yeah, two. Yeah, no, no, they do, they do. That's that's fine. I'm still troubled by why isn't y- Yoan in? How does Yoan try to earn that money that he's being paid on the bench? All hands is on bit, deck. Yeah, I, all hands on deck. And, uh, and, and that is not calling for the hands of Larry Garcia, No, no in my opinion. Certain hands, maybe. Hey, guess jumping guess. in here is Owen in Willowbrook. We hear from Owen a lot here. Thanks for calling, Owen. You're on ESPN 1000.
2: Hi, guys. I'm really glad you mentioned Dick Allen because you're right. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'll tell you, I, I, I'm 65, and I've been to probably a lot of games, and I've probably been to where they've hit balls over the old uh, White Sox park. Uh, rough, but the hardest ball I ever hit saw I hit was Dick Allen's Sobron and in the center field bleachers, the old park. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Was that the one that and Harry
1: tried to catch with the net?
2: Yes, he was out. He was announcing out. I was out in center field. That yeah, day. He was announcing center field bleachers. He and would that's, do that. I think yeah. when Harry started with the showers. Out, the, out yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, and and I will say the guy in '72 that played center field though for the fact was Buddy Branford. Um. uh, Buddy Bradford, Yeah, And and if it wasn't for those damn Oakland A's, the 72 team might have done something. I can't remember if it was the 72 or 71 team.
1: No, it was 72. It was was Richie's. That was a spectacular year. And, again, that book, uh, Chili Dog MVP, kind of outlines that whole thing, which is really cool. Owen, thanks for the call. Thanks. So, uh, yeah. Throwing out there, Richie Allen. I, there's still a lot of people like uh, like Owen there that believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. I guess he wasn't really friendly sometimes with the writers. How does that work? Real quick, Brian, how does that dynamic work? You know, from your perspective, being a writer, yeah, you know, is, is that really fair if, if that is the case that he hasn't been in the Hall of Fame because there are some grudges? Well, first of all, I mean, those writers sadly are. Most of them aren't
3: around anymore. Right. Okay. So the newer age. So they don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. I mean, guys like you know Paul Sullivan. He was going to games as a fan back then, Mm -hmm. right? Who Mm -hmm. who Paul? You know the great Tribune columnist and was also the head of the uh, Chicago chapter of the Baseball Writers Association for a long time. Here, Uh, I was a member when I was covering baseball. I believe uh, it was you had to cover baseball for ten years to have a
1: Hall of Fame vote right Um, but you do agree um, with me that some of those old-timers that are probably gone now had some kind of grudge yes uh, there were there were
3: there was definitely that and there were also guys who were chummy with players and would give them votes even if they weren't even borderline candidates just because some some guys had clauses in their contract that they got um uh, it'd be more like mvp votes right so if they had a clause in their contract that gave them bonus money if they finished in the top 10 in MVP voting. You know, some writers were known to just cast a, a ballot for them because they liked the guy. So it worked both ways. But um, the Minnie Minoso uh, Hall of Fame induction last uh, week. Last, last week, weekend, and uh,
1: last night they honored the family right. before the game. But
3: but that took another special committee, not even the Veterans Committee, right? That They had to go back to the uh, a committee that, it, it uh, considered uh, baseball players in the Negro leagues and, you know, kind of innovators and. Right. Uh, so it, I don't know what what committee would have to take Richie Dick Allen's uh, case into account at this point because, I mean, that's where to be at. That's how right, we get in. Right. Yeah. And it's
1: ridiculous. Minoso did not get in for this long, and it right. took like a concentrated, you know, movement to make this happen hmm. I yep. mean, when you look at his stats, oh, I remember everything. watching him play when I was a kid because he came back in the 70s. Yeah, he I was played five enough. different decades, right? I was
3: fortunate enough to have a meal or two with him when I was covering the White Sox because he would be around the ballpark and be up yeah. in the press box. Up he in the he bar was room. the
1: ambassador yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I met him as a kid, too. He was ever present.
3: Yeah, and he was just a wonderful man. I mean, just a genuine, gentle, gentle man. I mean, he was a great guy.
1: Uh, Mike in Homehurst wants to jump in. Um, he, he's got a story uh, kind of like mine regarding the you know, old stadium. Hey, Mike, you're on ESPN 1000.
4: Hey, guys. Thanks. I love the show. Uh, now, you brought back a great memory of taking beers into various venues. <laughs> yeah, here, right? Right. How, what was your so trick? So here, so we used to do that at Soldier Field. And it wound up getting, the antifrans wound up catching us. So here's what I did. I would take my jacket, and I had, I did this on the fly. I had a roll of electrical tape in my truck. So I taped around the end of the sleeves. (laughs) I filled each sleeve and got like maybe four beers in each sleeve. And I walked up to the antifran carrying my jacket, and they, you know, they wanted to frisk you. So I held out my arms to the sides with my jacket hanging down. And they didn't say anything about
1: what's wrong with the arms and the jacket. They're just totally like uh, somebody's, what is in there? They're just sticking straight. He never
4: looked at the jacket. He frisked (laughs) me and said, go. And I just walked in. Brilliant. Was that good or not?
1: That's brilliant. Absolutely (laughs) brilliant. That's eight beers you didn't have to pay. That is genius level.
4: You get a gold star. I always thought that was pretty smart to get it past them, but... Hide in plain sight—that was my motto. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. They
1: never frisked me. I just put my arms to my uh, side and got three cans in. You yeah. know, just make sure you, well, you had the jacket with the old... big arms.
4: You could do that in the old days, and then they started getting a little more thorough. But right, right. You know, you got to adjust with the times. But I, yes, I, I, you I, I thank you for bringing back a great memory. <laughs> <That was laughs> a fun, fun memory of my childhood.
1: Right on, Mike. Well, hopefully you weren't too young.
4: Well, Jake
3: came wow. too. I'm oh. right. <laughs> Jake and too, our great young producer, was just asking during the break, you know, didn't they have metal detectors back? At oh, stadium?
1: Jake, you're so freaking young. I mean,
5: and, it's yeah, like they, a wand, right? Just, not, not know, even. A no wand. There
1: or? were no. They didn't even invent that yet. That's no. how long ago we're talking. And, and these Andy
3: Frame guys were like, they all weighed about eighty pounds. Everybody and, was named Andy Frame, which is really weird. No, but they had the, the perfectly pressed pants and, and, yep. you know, like and a nice pants.
1: hat, the conductor hat or whatever yeah. that is. That it you was you a see pl- on like the... a
3: police hat on yeah. right? Uh, pl- uh, kind of like they... a Metro,
1: what they wear on Metro.
3: Yeah, trains, the the cheap, hat, yeah, the the chief was a white hat, right? Yes. I mean, yes. The supervisor. Mm-hmm. But these, you know, these kids in their little blue pressed pants and their dress shirts. And at Wrigley, they would have two of them upstairs when the upper deck was always closed because they didn't sell that many tickets for all those bad teams in the 70s. And there were two or three guys up there who assigned just to go get foul balls that went up there yeah, and, yeah. and bring them back to the club. And, they, and
1: uh, honestly, they all had to answer to the name Andy because yeah, that's that what that people said. Hey, Andy Frame, Andy, yeah. which hey. Andy are you talking to? Yeah. There's like 500 Andys here. That was the guy. That, I assume that was the guy who started the company, right? Yes. Andy yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah and, and it's I don't know when they went away, but one one day at a game years ago, I looked around. I said, what happened to the Andy Frame?" Oh uh, sure, they just stopped showing the, up, and now they're the dry just...
3: cleaning. The dry cleaning bill got to them. Uh, for that all the must uniforms. have been it. Yeah,
1: those uniforms must have cost a lot of money. All right, uh, back to the phones. We go three one two three three two three seven seven six. Donnie has a story about the great Minnie Minoso, number nine on the south side. Hey, Donnie, you're on ESPN one hey,
6: thousand. Hey, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but just for the spirit that Minnie Minoso had, I'm channel nine. A hundred years ago, when I was after school watching the game. He walked, they got. I don't know who walked him. He walked to first base, right? He stole second. He stole third. And he was, next bitch, he was out trying to steal home. But I love the spirit
0: that that guy had.
6: True story.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for that, Donnie. Uh, yeah, you know, he was uh, He was amazing. I don't even have his stats in front of me, but he had, like, in in the professional baseball league, over 4,000 hits. Yeah. Something and, like that. At uh, who the knows end- stolen bases? Who knows what that. I mean, he was a base stealer who knows what I mean, if that was, uh, you know, more than Ricky Henderson stole with, you know, all the years in the different leagues. Of course, that doesn't count in just major league, but he was pretty incredible.
3: Sully wrote a great column uh, earlier in the week uh, about uh, Minnie's career and, you know, recounted he hit in, what, five decades and they (laughs) they were going to try to get him one more at bat. And they got him, in. they squeezed him in the 80s, right, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah, then Blackjack McDowell and that group thought the whole thing was a joke, and they, they had a like a player rebellion when they heard that they were going to try to put him on the roster and get him in that bat in, in a regular season game, and they said absolutely not, and Jerry had to break the news to many that that wasn't going to happen. So
1: I don't remember that story. Jack was a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes. Oh yeah, I covered him.
3: He, he was—he uh, was like serious as a heart attack, and um, he went on to a music career. Um, I know, I remember that. Yeah, I remember I, I had a CD of his back in the day. But, oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, well, it, the, he gave it to me. It was free. Yeah, okay. I good. didn't buy it. Good. Um, good. I was a sports writer. like you said. You got concert tickets. I got a yeah. lot of swag. Um, so he used to sit in his arbitration hearings, right? Mm-hmm. And his agent would tell him, "Don't do it," because. Once you get in there, the club basically tells you, you're, "You're a piece of you know what," and we're not paying you because here's all the things you don't do, and it creates a uh, what you call a bad relationship moving forward.
1: And that's why you have an agent to stay away from this.
3: Exactly stuff. right, but he insisted on sitting in on those and and seeing if they are going to say it to him while he's at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, that's <laughs> the type of guy he was. So,
1: so. Yeah, he enjoyed the conflict. All right. We've got uh, a couple more to get to here. Paulie on uh, in Mount Prospect this afternoon on ESPN One Thousand. Actually, uh, yeah, it's not afternoon yet. Do I got Paulie? Uh... Hey, Paulie, you there? Paulie, Paulie. I guess. Yeah, we'll I guess not. All right, let's move on. Let's try. Uh... Let's try Paul Valpo. Paul wants to talk about the Cubs here on ESPN One Thousand. What's up, Paul?
0: Hey, good morning, fellas. Hey. yeah, a quick uh, you know point on the Cubs. I mean, I know you know it's been so much uh, made in fanfare and teary goodbyes with Contreras and Happen. they're both good Cub players. But and mm-hmm. obviously, you got the really the older relievers that it will have a little bit of a little bit of value on the market. But I can't wait for this trade deadline to see who the Cubs end up in return with as far as prospects. Because you look at a couple of different things, like I said. There, there's so much been made that they're not they don't want to spend the money on Contreras and Happ. But I mean, I think they started to develop some players. They signed Suzuki. You got Morel. You got Horner, who's developed. This is going to give Velasquez an opportunity to develop there. He's 23 years old with Happ being gone. So you know the the starters. You know you got Steele and Thompson. You know there's there's there, there are three four or fives at the very least. You know I understand they're a little bit up there in age, but. A lot of times, when we look at age, we we call Gavin Sheets a young player, and he's 26 going on 27. Yeah. Those guys are in the same they're in the same boat. So I think we kind of nitpick who we think is young sometimes if mm-hmm. we want to kind of put it to our narrative. Just like I've heard Brian say a million times about Caleb Killian. Well, you know he's 25, but that I mean Jacob Degrom didn't come up till he was 26. So I'm not saying he's him, but you know when we look at age, I think they have a lot of good things in, in the in, in the prospect pipeline. But here's the thing: is if they don't have these prospects for Contreras and half. There's no way they can trade for a guy that they may need to get. There's no arms on the free agent market. You know, they're going to have some back-end guys. Stroman's still around. Hendricks is still around. They need a number one or a number two starter. They're going to have to trade for that because Joe Musgrove just was extended by the Padres. There's no number one starters out there. They're going to have to trade for somebody. Now, do you think Stroman's going to make it past
1: the trade deadline?
0: I think he will because I think they, you know, what he's got a couple, couple more years. I mean, I don't unless they can get something for him. I mean, and that wouldn't be the end of the world either. Other thing is they've started to do is they've proven with Carter Hawkins and with Craig Breslow and this this pitching lab that they can develop pitchers. They got this Brandon Hughes who never pitched before. He's a lefty, or should say never pitched before. They got some bullpen arms that they're going to be able to develop. So if they get rid of these older bullpen guys that are there, so I guess it's not as doom and gloom, and I don't think it's going to be as long as guys like Brian want to believe, just because the rickets are cheap and they're not going to spend. They're going to spend, and they're developing players a lot better than they were. You and know, they've Paul, got some pieces.
3: You know, yesterday we were talking about Gordon Whitmire uh, wrote a column for NBC Sports Chicago, and I know you know Gordon because he's been covering the team forever. And he had an interesting take that what if you go out, and once Carlos Rodon opts out of his contract with the uh, Giants after the season, you go out and add him to the staff, and I'm with you. If Stroman's not traded by Tuesday, you got Keegan Thompson, you got Steele, I don't know. Kyle Hendricks still has left in the tank, but if you go out and get a guy like that and sign him to a long-term contract and spend some money on him, now how much have you, you accelerated the rebuild? Instead of you know thinking about getting rid of Strowman by Tuesday, are you are you in the market for an arm like that that immediately starts saying, okay, now we're serious about building this thing up quicker than sooner than later?
0: Yeah, and I think that's yeah Rodon would be the one if he if he opts out. I mean, and obviously there's he, he a will opt history out. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's an injury history there, and I know that 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 might be a little iffy, but it couldn't hurt because they're going to have the money. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I just I think that there's going to be, like you said, I think they're going to speed up this process a lot quicker. And you're going to you're they're starting to find guys you never would have you know anticipated. Morel Suzuki's got the contract. He obviously after this adjustment year, I think is going to be pretty good. He's a type of bat Horner's development. So like I said, that's where I think everyone's crying about half. But I think getting this chance for Velasquez to Hepp, they're selling high on, you know. I mean, I yeah, don't, I don't, hey, it, it, doesn't they, mean he's, he's an all-star. I get it, but I mean, you, you probably can extend him at five years and a hundred million, you know. So it's not like I don't think they're not extend or they're not, hey, I, I would not because I would they not don't ex- want to pay him.
3: I would not extend Hap. I, you, you're right. Sell high. He's had God bless him. He had an all-star. This year. This is the year. time. This is this the moment. is the year he needed to have that and, yep. and be better defensively and settle at left field and have the you know be better switch hitting and everything. Thanks I mean, for the call, Paul. Yeah, there have been too many and a half months where you're like, I don't see this guy yeah. as a cornerstone. In the no, you're rebuild. right. Yeah,
1: you've got to know when to get out on a high point. Yeah. And, and now is the time. But uh, you, you guys bring up an interesting point about going after Rodon. We've got Polly who uh, has rejoined us. He is on hold. We will get to him and your calls at 312-332-3776. After this on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000.
7: Chicago's home for sports.
0: Wow, Chicago's home for sports on Twitter. At ESPN 1000.
1: Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000. You can catch us on the ESPN Chicago app. Of course, listen live there or listen to the podcast after the show. Catch all the podcasts. There's a million podcasts on there. Take up all day to listen to all that great content. 100.3 HD 2 as well as ESPN 1000 on the AM dial. All right, so we've got a phone call to take here. Pauly is in Mount Prospect. I believe he's here. Pauly Testing, are you there, Pauly? I'm here. You got it Okay. All right, yeah, we, we got you. You're on ESPN 1000.
6: Yeah, sorry, I got you out before. Uh, yeah, and no, I just want to lead off by saying, uh, you know, I, I think you were, on you know, when I called before, you had said uh, something about being sold a bill of goods. And uh, my, my thought was just, yeah, this team just fools gold because... And I don't want to pick on Luis Robert. I, I, I want to qualify that too. I want to say I hope he is okay. Mm-hmm. But I was saying even before his recent um, problems, though, like just between Roberts, um, Eloy, and Mancada, those three guys, I just don't trust them to stay healthy. They just seem like a pulled hamstring or pulled something every time they step on the field because they they always use, you know especially like Eloy. He's such an awkward fielder. I mean, if, if I'm Rick Hahn, I don't know how, I don't know what lens he's looking at this team through. Because I really feel like between Mancata and Eloy, you're you're really looking at like you know 2019 and 2020. And with Robert, you're saying, okay, well, in this you know 60 game span, he was this, and you know before the season, people were saying, oh, he's an MVP candidate. And I don't know what pe- I'm. I, I'm a fan too. I don't know what people are looking at though, because I'm just like. I need to see it for, like, give me at least 140 games. Well, uh, absolutely.
1: Need- yes. Yes. Uh, agreed. Any one of those. I and mean, they've all had uh, stops and starts, unfortunately.
6: Yeah. And I was just going to say on the injury point, too. And that's the thing. Like, those three are so uh, injury prone. Then you've also got, like, Grundahl, who's another guy where he's 33. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're counting on him to, you know, relive his all star years or what. And I know he had a decent, you know, I mean, as far as. Statistically, last year he didn't do poorly, but he was also hurt a good chunk of the year. And then you've also got like a Tim Anderson, where even at twenty nine, he's always seems to be like you know one you know hustle play away from being on the
3: IL.
1: So yeah, it's been it's you. been a tough year. You're right; everybody is just one hustle play away from spending time on the IL. That's so a great Bally, way to put if it. I'm,
3: if I'm hearing you right, you don't think Rakon should be aggressive uh, by the deadline on Tuesday because this team is got a lot of holes that you just went through and and so if you're the gm you really can't be saying okay got make three moves here because we gotta get back in this thing because you don't think they're good enough to win something
6: no my my, my thing is like the only the only trading pieces that i see are like vaughn and sheets and maybe you know, if you wanted to give up some you know, I, don't, I don't know what what the prospects are like in the minor leagues but from what i'm Understanding, they don't have one of the better um, farm systems either. So I don't, I don't think you blow up the team. I think you're still in a spot where you can, you know, It's pretty. that's the thing too. Like for, as far as being a Sox fan, you don't make the playoffs often. So I think when you're there, you have to try to do it. So right. I, I think you, you know, as far as being aggressive, I don't. know. I mean, what would you guys? I would love to know, like what just what you guys would think as far as, um, just even what potential trades would be. Because I've heard people talking about uh, Soto. And I just don't even know.
1: No, what no, no. I mean, that's That's pipe dream stuff. Yeah, that's.
6: And then we would probably lose him in, in two years to free agency anyway, right? That's yeah. the only thing. I, yeah, I, but, yeah, you
1: know, okay. So let, let's, if it were possible, say we had the assets to give up and we really felt we were close and it would really be a difference maker. We could be that team for two years, let him walk and then, or trade them before and get some assets back. So that's not a bad idea. It's just that we don't have what other teams are or that can offer. Like the yeah. Padres have a ridiculous amount of assets that apparently they may be the front runners right now according yep. to what I'm it sure, reading. It sure looks like
3: that way and and because they they have decided a couple of years ago they're going to do whatever it takes to to be the Dodgers of Southern California. Right. And Wait, there it, are
1: the Dodgers of oh, you mean even more Southern California?
3: Yeah, um, but <laughs> but it's but it is interesting because you know uh, Wilson Contreras supposedly the rumors are San Diego bound, yep. but they're keeping their powder dry to see what the Soto sweepstakes looks like, right? So can they pull off both? If if we saw what Castillo got, uh, Cincinnati got for Castillo and top five prospects or five prospects, including top three from Seattle, you know Soto is going to be a lot more than that, yep. and and not, you know, the other cubs and Sox are not in that derby it's the usual suspects right i mean it's the Dodgers the Padres the the Yankees and i think Wilson Contreras probably ends up my guess if they pull off the Soto deal down in San Diego i guess Wilson Contreras ends up in Tampa so that would be my guess thanks
1: for the call paulie uh, you, you know the whole idea of making a big trade on the south side as much as we would like to see that what's the one big trade we could make That would actually make a difference and push us, let's face it, push us to the World Series. I don't think there is one. No. We've got multiple issues. And if Rick notices that, which I'm sure he does, you know, it's like, okay, what's the most glaring issue that is player involved? Because you can argue that there's some coaching issues, it seems, from our aspect. There are some discipline issues with the players. What's the one player on the market right now that we can get that's not going to cost... Too much that will make enough of a difference to help us in the playoffs. That's what they have to look at. And there are several needs, right? Uh, left-handed bat, we talked about that. For but sure. then again, but then how about a right-handed bat that can hit right-handed pitching? No. I mean, the, uh, Pollock was supposed to be that guy. He hasn't really not been, but he hasn't lit the world on fire like we were hoping. And uh, yeah, like, like a guy like Gavin Sheets, he has not hit left-handed pitching at all. Right. So, you know what, a left-handed bat, I mean, okay, a left-handed power bat, that's great. I just want a power bat that can hit lefty or righties.
3: Well, and, you know, I give you Ian Happ. He's not going to, you know, set the world on fire, but this is these are the moves that Rick Hahn's going to make. It won't mm. be the, the blockbuster move. No, no, that's that's the point, right? He's just going to fill as many holes as he can, and I don't know if that's multiple the, players in one deal or, right. you know, a three-way trade or three different trades um, and one of our Twitter polls is how aggressive is he going to be? How many moves is he going to make? Zero, one,
1: two, or three, or more? Um, and we will you know, wrap we, that up by twelve thirty yeah. when we're getting out of here. Yeah. But you know, the, he's that
3: he has needs for sure. But it, can he can he fill all the needs? No, there's too the many. There's yeah.
1: too many. And we started off the season thinking maybe there there were just a few.
5: I mean, they're really more. in no man's land right now. Yeah. I mean, you don't know which you go one direction, but it's going to push you. It's going to cost you. And how long is how long is that going to last you?
3: And what you know right. if what if someone calls you and and give makes you an offer you didn't see coming for Johnny Cueto? I mean, you know, again, you have to think about the you future. You have to sell
1: high. You have to sell high. And, right. and Cueto, <laughs> you imagine? I mean, thinking about how he's done for us. Yeah. Nobody else wanted him. We yeah. had him on a minor league prove it deal.
3: Yep. And now he's proved a it. A brilliant and move so. from yep. Rick Hunt. Right. I mean, but, you know, the message you would send to Sox fans is we're not winning anything this year. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for a guy who's 37 and having a hell of a season and he's if you can cheap, get
1: something for him, yep. yep.
3: Yeah. I mean, and, and those are the, the tough decisions that aren't going to play well with the, with the paying fan base. But in your heart of hearts, it might be the, the smart move to make as a
1: GM. And it's tough because we were sold the World Series or bust things It's been
3: more bust than anything else. Yes, it has been. Well, it's been mediocre is yep.
1: what it's been. 312-332-3776. We're going to talk Bears when we come back here on ESPN 1000. I've got some audio to play for you and, uh, and a lot of things to look forward to maybe. I don't know. I want to it, ask you, Mark,
3: yeah. you've you, you run stations, right? And you've run the staffs and mm-hmm. staffs. Uh, we heard a lot of players singing the praises of the coaching staff, the new and... Uh, yeah, and, we have and, all that audio. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I want to ask you, how you got through even though it's a it's not sports it's a, a an industry but you know how you got well through it's an industry with egos just like sports yeah, i can right. tell you how that you got through, yeah how did you get through to the team how, what was your approach to, was it evolving ever evolving this interesting audio like you said from some of the coaches how they've evolved and changed in their approach to how they coach guys up and I'd like to as an administrator here you know how you did it and right. to
1: what degree of. Success. yeah we'll, we'll jump into that uh, after this on espn 1000
0: Follow Chicago's home for sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN One Thousand.
1: Always a good day. We can sneak some Rush into the playlist here on ESPN One Thousand. Xander and Hanley, we're here until twelve thirty. Then we get uh, White Sox pregame and the White Sox taking on the A's for the last game in the set. Dylan Cease on the bump this afternoon on your home for the White Sox, ESPN 1000. All right, Brian, so talking about the Bears, um, we, we've got a lot of audio about uh, players kind of saying the praises of uh, the new coaching staff, right?
3: Yeah, everyone, um, first of all, when you have a young team and a rebuilding team, and, um, you know, it's much easier to manage, right? I mean, they, they better be open to whatever suggestions, however you're going to deliver them whether you're the hardcore you know kick them in the butt coach or the you know touchy-feely let's all do this kumbaya coach um but it's good to hear that they you know what three days four days into camp so far the culture that ted phillips and and george and nagy and all those people talked about does seem real now it does seem like there there's a positive vibe about how doesn't make them any better right now right i mean the the Brad Biggs you have to start somewhere, and
1: if people are feeling pretty good behind the scenes, that's a good solid footing.
3: Yeah, the, the young guys are malleable, and they like uh, they they think they're being coached up and and being coached up in the right way. And you know, Cody Whitehair is now a grizzled veteran relative to the the <laughs> group, and right. and he talked about you know how it's. Uh, he didn't say it's different. He just said he likes what he's heard and seen of these coaches.
1: I'm trying to get my mouse. Uh, we're gonna hear uh, from. Uh, uh, I got it. Oh, you got it.
5: Okay. Our staff that we have here, a lot of them, they're they're really good teachers. Um, you know, they break things down. We we even play cahoots um, just to like see who gets things the fastest and understands. You know, make things fun, and make it a competition. Um, but the way they teach us and the way they break things down and go through stuff and draw things up, um, you know, it's 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 next level. So, you know, I I love the staff and how they how they teach us and how they they. They bring these concepts in and, and, and show us how it's done. Coach Morgan's been great. Um, you know, the way he carries himself,
4: the way he teaches, um, he's very detailed. Um, you know, he's. I like what he brings to the table. He's very compassionate about, you know, making us as good as we can be. And that's all you can ask for in, in a coach, right? It's just trying to get the best out of you every single day. And he's going to continue to push you every single day so that you're never hitting a limit, you know. Um, and he's done a great job with that.
1: Yeah, you have
3: to like that, right? Well, and you heard uh, Herbert talk about Kahoot.
1: And, um, and we play that here at ESPN. We used to on our uh, Zoom phone calls during COVID. We played oh, Kahoot. I was
3: curious
5: and, if y'all knew what Kahoot yeah. was.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. we I mean, did it and here. And you can explain it to him because uh, Josh Schrock wrote about it, our buddy at NBC Sports Chicago, but it's a it's a quiz app, right? It's so a quiz
1: you, app online for like Zoom meetings and such where everybody can join on, on their phone. So uh, it's a team building exercise right. is yep. what it is, where you have the questions that come up on the Zoom phone call and everybody's got their phone and they're answering. And then, you know, the percentages are calculated. You know, if you were you know right with the answer or whatever. Yeah, we've I'll done
3: put that. Here. In. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like am I missing well, anything,
1: Jake?
5: Oh, but I like the aspect that he's talking about that because, again, that resonates with, like, my generation. And these are young kids. These are young kids. Like, I grew up, I remember, in seventh, eighth grade playing Kahoot, right? And that's how they would get us to learn in science and math. So I I, I like that he's talking about that, and you move that over to the football operations.
3: Yeah, they can use multiple choice, true, false, short answer questions. They get points, and the leaderboard pops up, like you said, after, you know, a round. Mm -hmm. So it reinforces... It makes them want to be, you know, to. It's a competition, right? So if you want yep. to, you want to be the best one on uh, winning the cahoot game, but it's uh, and then they build upon that and take it out to the field. So that's pretty cool. Now
5: they win. I would win Jolly Ranchers if I won, but they get a couple million dollars if they win.
1: <laughs> I don't know if they're handing out cash for cahoots at the uh, team meetings. You know, maybe you? maybe hey, somebody maybe. has to buy a meal for everybody or something like that, or or, or Jolly you know, some... Ranchers. Or side bets, you know, because side you know, bets, you know you well, yeah. you know, the those competitive types, pro athletes, yeah. they're making bets on top of bets on top oh, of bets.
3: You, baseball teams when you know covering on the road, you you be on the charter, you go down to the luggage carousel. Now we're not carousel. talking about
1: Pete Rose, are we? No. But luggage carousel,
3: they would they would <laughs> vote who or they would bet on whose luggage would That's come That's almost out first.
1: you know, that gets to be tiring. Like everything is up for bet. Well, the smart guys would watch
3: them load the luggage on the plane and see the first one on would be the last one
1: off. Right. So they would make mental notes about whose bags were coming out first. Again, tiring. Yeah. If I'm on the plane, I just want to rest. There's a couple hundred bucks going
3: on the uh, when you land it. There's people being paid off for who
1: paid attention. 3123323776 uh, you know they're saying uh, all the right things and and um we we've got we've got some other audio here too on um uh what's the next one we should play Jake is it uh, Montgomery's
5: No let's do the Allen stuff first
1: okay i'll let you press that button
5: This is Allen on um uh, this defensive mindset. We've heard about the hits from Iberflus, and he yeah. was kind of praising that uh, in their meetings that they've been having, having with players. The hits principle.
8: Yeah, I, and uh, I'll refer to that um, uh, often, but uh, that's the first thing that shows up in our, in our meeting, that uh, we want to lead the, the world in, in hustle. Um, intensity, the pads will come on, and you saw the guys get a little chippy uh, today that that's the heat. They're, they're tired. It's, it's day four. Uh, but we want to be an intense defense we want to hustle uh, we want to take the ball away that's a big deal we preach that we practice that uh, we talk about it we emphasize it and ultimately we also want to be smart football players. some people will ask hey are you going to be uh, hustle or are you going to be smart and we say both and we're going to do we're going to do both so that would be um, um, that would be what I would say our, our signature our stamp is is a hits principle Yeah,
2: you
1: know, that hits thing, when we first heard about that, you know, a lot of companies, right? They have the buzzwords, the acronyms. It's like, what's it stand for? And sometimes they equal words. I worked at a company, and I don't even remember the acronym, but it didn't equal a word. So people would go around saying, trying to make a word out of this acronym. It's like, that's not a word. Can we try to figure something out that makes sense? But in a football sense, hits, I could remember that. I don't care how many hits I've taken. I can still remember that principle.
3: So what? It, it, when you were managing staffs, and yeah. I've never done that. Uh, no one's ever given me that kind of responsibility. <laughs> um, would be well, believe forte. me, there
1: are a few that maybe regret that they gave me that responsibility. But go ahead.
3: Yeah, did you do the team building where you took them out, you know, for a weekend, and people, you know, no, kind of there's no budget for that me. silliness. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, okay. Have we gone out to a bar, bought everybody a beer, kind of went over the uh, the the radio station? You know, objective of what we're trying to do and team build in that way and, and, and that type of thing? Sure, sure. Um, you know, having programmed, uh, I've spent my career in rock radio, and there's a certain vibe to a rock radio station that uh, I grew up enjoying, and that's the kind of vibe that we always had. And it's about, you know, it's about community, just like it is here, right? You know, you know the sports gathers everybody here to ESPN 1000. You know, rock bands that we play on the various stations and the concerts and the events we were through, it it would be the glue that held everything together. So I would just, you know, just kind of approach. And I I wasn't, I worked for some very hardcore program directors that Mm -hmm. you would just kind of like you get called in for an air check and you felt like air check is when they sit and listen to your show in front of you. And they pick it apart. And and they pick it apart. and And it's, I mean, the good stuff never gets brought up because that's what you're expected to do. So it's just a big, it's just a beating. It's the media. It's not a meeting. It's a beating. And um, I've been through those and I learned a lot from that where it's almost like, okay, I wouldn't bring up anything negative unless I had a way to fix it and a positive thing to say. So I would be somewhere in the middle to where it would be like and I would be very um, open about the objective. Sometimes you have a boss, anybody that's listening now, you might have a boss that says, do it this way. And you want to know why you're doing it that way. And they won't share that. I would always share why we're doing it this way. Why? Because you seem to give some kind of ownership to the people that are working for you where they feel like they, they kind of own the result. They're not just doing something to do it. They get it. They have that ownership and that helps. And I think it would probably be similar because in radio, there are, you are performing and there are egos, same thing in sports.
3: Yeah, I mean the, the my way or the highway only works. Yeah, so no, long, that doesn't right? work. That doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, that doesn't and work. so you don't you want to be respected, not necessarily just feared. Right, and that works but, with an
1: intern. It doesn't work with highly talented people that have proven themselves. Right, and then you know I don't like the WKRP vibe. I, mean, it just, <laughs> I wish I wish it was like that in my time. I got into radio a little too late to be the WKRP thing. But I saw a little of that, and that was a lot of fun. That's a long time ago. Yeah, but it's interesting because you know the
3: Alan Williams, the D, uh, defensive coordinator, talked about, he used to be much more hard-nosed, and yeah. he evolved, and, and he became a different type coach, yeah. and it seems to work with certainly younger players who maybe haven't been kicked in the butt all the way up to the NFL yeah, level. Yeah, right? got,
1: we've got that right
3: here.
8: So yeah. I'd hope right now that I'm a little more mature, that have handled situations adversity a little bit better. I would, I would think that at this point, um, I know football of uh, eight years or whatever that was uh, a little bit better. Uh, I handle um, the staff uh, better in terms of just uh, interpersonal skills. Uh, I, would, I would hope that. And then the players, I think I was so um, intense uh, about every situation. Every situation is not live or die. Uh, so I, I think um, right now I'm a little bit more relaxed. I'm a lot more relaxed, and uh, and so they they get to know me. They get to know um, not just Coach Williams. They get to know Alan Williams. And so when the guys get to know you, I think they um, they, they play for you. Not that, not that the guys didn't before, but now they get to see me as a as a person, not just as a coach. You
1: no, know, that's very interesting, Brian. And I would totally agree. For anybody who's been a manager for any length of time in any walk of life. You start out with guns a hmm you know, and then you learn the hard way. And people could tell you, don't, don't go starting out guns a No, I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, you're down the road and it's like, I made a lot of mistakes. Guns were a don't need to do that, need to be a little, little more chill uh, and selective and all of these things that Alan Williams was saying, and uh, that makes for an effective coach or, or boss along the because way. yeah because you know old school coaches they
3: didn't change right i mean they didn't evolve they didn't become more right. chill and get to know the and person it worked coach. in
1: a time but that's not necessarily yeah. the time anymore
3: yeah and and that's a different generation that you're coaching up and yeah. so you better evolve or you're not going to be around this game long too that's much right. longer
1: Three one two three three two three seven seven six. that's the phone number we're gonna go to break here come back we've got some audio that was played. Uh, Peggy and Dion talked to Vilas Jones Jr. yesterday, and he had
3: a nice practice yesterday too. Yes, and, he did. Uh, yes, he did. We're going to hear. Place.
1: We're going to hear that back, and uh, we're here until twelve thirty. We'll hear that, then we'll get back to baseball. Set up what's happening at Guaranteed Rate today. Wrap up the Twitter polls, all of that before we get out of here before pregame at twelve thirty. On your home for the Chicago White Sox, ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports
0: on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000.
1: It's Hamley. it's Xander, and uh, we are going to play for you right now a bit of the interview. Peggy and Dion had new Bears uh, draft pick Vilas Jones Jr. on the show yesterday.
7: Third round draft pick out of Tennessee by way of USC, Valus Jones Jr. joins us now on ESPN 1000. Valus, thank you for joining the show.
9: How are we doing, my people?
7: We are good. How are you? How was practice today?
9: Practice was good. We got after it. Uh, I feel like everybody was working hard. Everybody's getting after it. Um, Iron sharpens iron at the end of the day. Today was a great day.
7: Awesome. Valus, I love how mature you are this is such a i know it keeps coming up and you must get so tired of people bringing it up but i i love the fact that you show up every day basically with a briefcase <laughs> like that's, that is how i picture you like you come and you're like ready to go to work you have your briefcase ready some guys have, have showed up at halis hall with a suitcase but you came with a briefcase because you just have this business-like mentality right
9: yes ma'am that's the uh that's, that's the truth that's how i was raised
7: why who gave that who instilled that in you to have that type of mentality
9: um you know just saying my grandfather mm-hmm. um charles jones and my grandmother um is everything and you know um first appearance you know you can tell a lot about a person how they carry themselves um business business like so you know, that's how um, I just care of myself. I'm all about business. Um, but also, you know, it's a time and place. My grandma always used to tell me, "It's a time and place for everything, but right now it's business.
7: And Valis, you told a story yesterday about what that choice, that decision to move closer to home, to be around your grandfather who was going through a lot. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, how he's doing. And, and second, that said a lot about who you are as a person. What did the opportunity to be close to family to finish your college career. What did that mean to you?
9: Um, that really mean a lot. But um, I'll start off by saying uh, my grandfather, uh, he ended up having a stroke. He was around for a while, though. I, I think, like, right at it, right at a year, passed away, mm. 2020 um, in February. Mm. It was, like, around, in Mardi Gras season back home in um, Mobile. And so, yeah, that was a tough one. But everything, you know, he taught me I carry in everyday life and how to be a man and how to be – how to be about my business. And and so, yeah, that's how I carry myself. And also, you know, it's it's just a true blessing overall. I'm Mm -hmm. a big believer in faith, big believer in everything happens for a reason, and God timing is perfect. And I feel like there's no better time for me to be here than now. I'm really excited about the season, really excited about this staff, this new staff, and the energy in the building is unbelievable. So I'm just excited um, for the season.
7: Faithless, when they drafted you, I remember I was I was thinking, ah. Is is this guy like the next Devin Hester or is he the next? There was a running back that I covered with the Bears years ago, Raymond Harris. And Raymond Harris called himself the ultra back because he was so versatile. And I thought, no, this guy is more like a a mega player. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe you. I know you're a wide receiver. But how do you describe yourself as a football player?
9: Um, I would say at a young age, I played running back. So even with football, running um, running in my family uh, with my dad, my dad was a great uh, football player in high school, physicality, speed. And so that's always been the mindset of me never avoid contact, you know, never be afraid to run through um, anybody. And so that's where I feel like my physicality when it comes to yards at the catch, um, how determined I be. Um, when it comes to it, when, like when the ball is in my hands. And so that's that standpoint. And, you know, I was blessed with speed, um, God-given. Um, also genetics, my grandmother was fast, uh, Linda Jones. My dad's fast, my uncle, um, Kyle Towner, he's fast. My cousin, Colin Towner, is fast. Speed runs in the family. So it's like a mix of combinations, I would say from the Towner side, And the Jones side, the the bulkiness, the sides and everything. So it's a mixture of combinations. Um, Really blessed.
7: (laughs) Was was your grandmother a track star?
9: Yeah, she did. She actually ran. Um, No doubt. I think um, her highest grade level was um, high school. She um, had kids and stuff. And times were different back then. She was born in 52. And so times were different back then. So I know, you know, she was always working um, a three three job working, um hard working woman just to provide for her family.
7: Well it's also uh-huh. pre title nine. Yeah. So true. She that was before she had any opportunities that a lot of the women have today. Valis, you mentioned, exactly. you mentioned the energy in the building is is high and you're feeling that already. We're not able to get in the locker room yet, but as you guys have kind of integrated together, can you describe or or what's what's shown you that that you're all on the same page and you're all kind of moving in the right direction?
9: It's just the energy. Um, everybody being so social in the locker room, no matter if you're on defense or offense. Like We know we're in all this uh, all this together. We know um, what the outside world is talking about. But you know, we put the blindfolders on. We put the um, horse blinders on. And like we keep pushing. And at the end of the day, we all we got. It doesn't matter what anybody else has to say or think about us. Uh, we know the talent we have. We know what we can do. Um, so at the end of the day, um, it comes down to execution and being sound. So um, everybody's on the same page. The energy's high. Everybody's flying around having fun. There's great energy in the building. There's no better place to be.
7: Do you feel like, based on the way the offense is being set up and taught and the talent that's in there, that you guys can surprise a lot of people this year?
9: Oh, I feel like uh, we're not going to surprise you know, ourselves because we already know uh, what we're capable of and what's to come this season. But I'm pretty sure uh, many people will be surprised for those who doubt.
7: We saw some of that energy on a Twitter post and on Instagram uh, from a teammate posting uh, r- fellow rookie, Quan Brisker, Jaquan Brisker, singing in front of the the team. Um, I'm sure this is all part of the, the rookie um, just getting to know you. So what have you had to do? Ha- have they asked you to do anything yet? Have you had to sing or anything? <laughs>
9: It's crazy you asked that because I'm up today. So luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, no. He, yeah, he, top, he had the crowd on his side. We're going to see. Uh, I'm a, I was, a you know, J.D. Younger fan. Uh, he passed away. I was murdered, I think, like two days ago. And so oh, wow. I'm going to do a song contribute to him. So Big 23.
7: Wow.
1: All right. So uh, everybody's singing there. Boy, it's Kumbaya at Bears Camp. Brian Hanley. Well, it's Velas uh, Jones Jr. I've been saying Velas, 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 but it's Velas. Well, you'll you'll we'll know his name. We'll plus. know his name, and we'll be saying his name plenty. I think this kid is going to be a star.
3: Yeah, and you learned a lot there. Nice interview, of course, from mm-hmm. Peggy Dion as mm-hmm. always. And you catch them on Saturdays here on ESPN One Thousand. And uh, it's good. It's good to to get to know some of these young guys, and obviously the maturity level belies his age. I mean, you love to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's refreshing. Because a lot of times, athletes get kind of knocked for just being, you know, big, giant kids with a lot of money, and 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 so it's nice to hear, you know, he seems to be very grounded.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, guys like David Montgomery, who've been here for a couple of years, a very serious sort, too. I mean, it, it look, they don't lack for maturity, Now They've made some, the last few practices, he had a nice practice yesterday, Valis uh, did, but... They're still making some of the, um, you know, jumping uh, the the bad penalties and some of the undisciplined play that uh, they were known for. So, as Luke Getze said, they have a lot to, do, to work on. Uh, by by no means are they anywhere close Full to being Full disclosure, winning.
1: and we appreciate that as fans. Yeah. All right, let's hit the break, come back in two, and we've got a round of high-low to do here on ESPN 1000 with Zander and Hanley.